0: Hello everybody, welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. Zach Shaw, Steve Lorenz here with me. As always, we are talking Michigan at Penn State, number 16, Michigan, traveling to take on the 7th ranked Nittany Lions. Uh, Wolverines are, I think they're facing their biggest underdog spread since 2017, I think, is when they played Ohio State, and and Steve... we were just talking about before the show it is very funny because I, I think you and I are on the same page and we'll see we'll see when we get to the predictions but you would talk to Michigan fans you would think that this is the 2017 season all over again it's it's just like everyone I've had people responding to like my random stories about something not related to not even asking and people are saying Michigan's gonna get wrecked or it's gonna be ugly I don't I don't get it. Do you, do you, I guess, what have you seen in that regard from the fans? It just seems, it seems like fans are getting a little overboard with the, and, and there is some evidence to Michigan struggles on the road against good teams. Penn State has a nice home field advantage. But at the same time, I, if you compare this matchup to the 2017 matchup, it's not even close. Michigan has so much better of a chance this year. Cause I remember going into the 2017 game, I, I, don't know exactly what I predicted, but I remember thinking, I think, I think Penn state, this is their, this is their moment of bliss and clarity. This is their generational team. And Michigan's kind of backpedaling with a, with John O'Korn at quarterback. I don't know what, are you in the same boat as me? What have you seen from the fans? And, and does it confuse you as much as it confuses me? Or does it make more sense to you?
1: Uh, it doesn't confuse me because it's not surprising. Uh, just that whole, beaten down insecurity, prepare for the worst, hope for the best type mentality. I think that has pretty much taken over a, a large segment of the fan base at this point. Again, there's legitimate reason to be down on how Michigan has played so far right I mean even in games where they should dominate outside of Rutgers, there have been you know massive disappointments like last week is a great example of that. Uh, even in even against Iowa you play an amazing defensive game but squander numerous offensive opportunities and to this point outside of Rutgers and a couple stretches against Illinois you know we haven't seen it offensively yet right and it kind of it sort of feels like it's getting a little bit closer but I do I do sympathize a bit as far as the until we see it it'll be hard to kind of believe it. Especially, you know, you do talk about on the road where, I I mean, I 100% agree about 2017 versus this season. I, I'm, I'm still not 100% sold on Penn State, even despite what my prediction I think is going to be for this game right now. I'm still not 100% sold on them. And really after watching more Big Ten football than I normally do this season, I still think Ohio State, Wisconsin are head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, you know, Penn State got a first-year quarterback. They do have some dynamic playmakers. I just, I still think their offensive line is okay. Their defense is a little bit better than it it normally is. I really like their linebacker core is young and, and very talented. and They got some great edge rushers, but um, yeah, I, you know, as far as the pulse that type of deal, I think it is. It's it's just kind of your standard, uh, you know, prepare for the worst, hope for the best type situation going into a a big game where, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a pretty lengthy track record at this point of Michigan not showing up in these kind of games under Harbaugh for whatever reason. And so, um, sympathize to an extent, but yeah, you know, it's like you're seeing Michigan on the most disappointing team this season lists, like crap like that. It's like they're 5-1. and one. If they win on Saturday, they have a legitimate shot to be in the top 10 going into hosting Notre Dame at home, another team who... You see Georgia get beat last week at home. That that game doesn't look as impressive, and then they barely squeaked by a very underachieving USC team uh, last Saturday as well. You know, both of these games, like I think we talked about against Illinois uh, after the Illinois game, both of these games look, I think, maybe more winnable than they did two weeks ago, especially Notre Dame. But you know, yeah, you'd think that. Yeah, I, I'd say it feels like you think Michigan was like three and four or something the way that they're kind of talked about at this point, both nationally and by what I would consider a growing segment of the fan base. So yeah, we had a no we, short.
0: Yeah. I was go just going to say we had a radio caller today compare this five and one start to uh, Michigan's five and O start in 2013. And it, it's like, come on, that team almost lost to Akron. That team almost lost at UConn. Those are teams worse than Illinois. But but there is some evidence. I I have Harbaugh under at Michigan. I have him at two and ten against teams that finished the year in the top ten. I think he's one and seven against teams that were currently ranked in the top ten. It's I, I personally I put more stock into where they finished at the end of the year. But yeah, I mean I mean there is a lot of numbers, and I don't think I you know Michigan State was technically ranked, so they have the win over a ranked team on the road thing off their back but win over a team that finished the year ranked because Michigan State did end up being seven and six that still hasn't happened since 2006 so and, and what the Owen we've talked about the underdog stat and how it's a little short-sighted but at the same time when was the last time Michigan truly won a game it was not supposed to win I think you have to go back more than a decade really yeah uh, and that so
1: part now, yeah that Owen six or Owen seven that's a a Stat that I think is pretty lame. A matter of fact, I think somebody on our board mentioned that those teams would go have went a combined the teams they lost to on the road in those given seasons went a combined thirty nine and zero at home in those given seasons. So it wasn't that Michigan was not beating them on the road. It was that literally nobody was beating those teams on the road. So right, yeah. I mean, but the your second point about. Not winning or winning a game they're not supposed to. Yeah, it that's one where it's that's a very legitimate argument and trend that is spanned. Yeah, multiple head coaches at this point. It does because it has felt like it's been forever since they've pulled off sort of what you would call, you know, the upset, I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: I think I think the last one was actually 2008 Rich Rod. You know, maybe maybe a couple wins over Notre Dame in two thousand nine and two thousand ten. But those Notre Dame teams ended up being not as good as maybe they were they were billed to be uh, in those given years. So yeah, it it has not there've been a few close upsets, near upsets, but it has not happened yet. And so we talked to the players this week. Um, you know, it's interesting hearing their approach to being underdogs and their approach to being I didn't hear too many of the uh what I would call the nobody believes in us cliches, and so i I wonder i mean do you do you wish that they had that mentality more or do you do you like the fact that they are going in feeling like they're equals to Penn State and like maybe they shouldn't necessarily be underdogs in this game
1: I don't know I mean i, I actually kind of prefer the former approach i i, I actually i mean at this point, what's wrong with Michigan kind of taking a page out of Michigan State's handbook? Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, we just got done talking about they're five and one, and people are still talking about them as the most disappointing team in the country. It, you know, I know it makes fans angry. Imagine being the players. You know, I right. think that they'd carry a little bit of that chip on their shoulder. Maybe they do behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and they just don't talk about it. I I suspect that that's got to be at least somewhat the case but yeah I mean I think it's you know gotten a little bit to the point where maybe you do take a page out of the Michigan State handbook in that regard because it it's corny and funny to talk about it but I do feel like Michigan gets overly disrespected you know in, in far as the national sense the expectations are really high mm-hmm. uh, at Michigan they always will be but Man, it's like I tweeted last week. Like I think Jay, until last week, which Penn State ironically got off the Schneid, or James Franklin got off the Schneid. He was 0-11 on in any road game against a ranked team in his entire coaching career, and you did not see that stat talked about anywhere, right? Ever by anybody. I think the I think someone tweeted me that the Big Ten Big Ten Network brought up a graphic about it or something. But as far as like the same talking heads who are for the probably the third or fourth time this season saying that this is the biggest game of Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan so far, you know, none of that was talked about with Franklin. Um, Not to mention again, Michigan's already three and one against Penn state with two absolute demolition style wins, you know? So uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's the same as it always is at this point. It's just gotten a little louder maybe.
0: Yeah. It, it it has and it will and I don't think it's you know I don't think we're putting out any fires here. I mean it is it is warranted. This is a Michigan team that to this point, you know I, I you don't have to call them one of the nation's most disappointing teams, but they have underachieved. They did not do as well as anyone expected against Middle Tennessee. That Army near loss looks even worse. Army is now three and three. I believe they've lost two in a row. So suddenly that's not the potential top 25 matchup that they thought it was going to be. Wisconsin, enough has been said there. You know, and then and then Iowa, it was a good win over a team we we think will be a top 25 team, but Penn State just did the exact same game basically in Kinnick at night in front of a sold out Iowa crowd. And so, and then and then Illinois, I don't think anyone would say Michigan lived up to expectations at Illinois. So to this point, they're 5 and 1. They have underachieved in five, four and a half of, of the six games that they've played. Really, Rutgers is the only one, and we've seen what happened what's happened with Rutgers since. Uh, Rutgers is the only one where it was really, you know Michigan was pounding its chest saying that was a that was exactly what we wanted out of this game. And so so yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, another storyline that came about was the was the road atmosphere. Um, interestingly enough I don't think the players really referenced I asked I think six players what makes playing on the road so tough and I I think only Josh Metellus mentioned the crowd and he only mentioned the crowd in the sense that if you make a mistake it's really hard to have a short memory and move on just because the crowd enables that Um, they actually mentioned the routine like the pregame routine and the the getting getting in the right mindset. Um, I think Josh Uche, and he didn't mean this in like a like a, we don't get our caviar sense, but he said not getting the pregame hot tub and massage t- table. Um, you know that's that's an interesting element that I don't think you know we keep discussing Michigan's road woes because they they haven't they haven't looked good in a lot of road games and and I mentioned this last week you weren't on the podcast but you know Northwestern Minnesota Indiana Maryland now you can add Illinois to the list Iowa. Uh, pretty much everywhere but East Lansing and Piscataway, they have underachieved on the road in, in the Big Ten. They haven't been to Nebraska yet either. But um it is an interesting, interesting development. You don't think they underachieved they last year?
1: Last year they did, but in sixteen I wouldn't I'm just
0: I just meant each six. each um stadium they've done it at least once. Because I think they overachieved oh, sure. at Wisconsin sure. in twenty seventeen too. It's That's tough. Fair. It's tough and and personally having been to most of those road games, having been to a lot of basketball road games and NCAA tournament games, I do think Penn State is the toughest atmosphere by by a, by a sizable margin actually. Um I don't I don't even know who would be second. Probably Ohio State, but it, it really there's a gap. So this is this is tough. I mean, I guess I don't really have a question for you. I just wanted to bring that that note to light. That this is it's interesting, and I'm very curious to see maybe how Michigan. I'm, I said this last week. I said I'm curious to see how they come out, and that's why I don't I don't view last week's as as concerning, is because I think I think they had to prove it to themselves they could start out hot in the road, but we I we think back to the 2017 season and how things started out in state college. You know, they they did draw it back within one. I think they even went to halftime only down one. But at the same time, I think that start just like set the fans off and made it made it so much worse. So I don't know if you have any thoughts to add there, but just just the difficulties on the road um you know, you almost wonder if Michigan would prefer one more maybe an Indiana type game on the road before it heads to state college, but but they don't get a, get that opportunity. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to prove it in maybe the toughest atmosphere. I haven't been to SEC games, so I'll just keep it to the Big Ten, but the toughest atmosphere in the Big Ten.
1: I mean, it really all it comes down to. It's now imperative that that they have to get off to a good start. I mean, and it's something that you want to do every game, obviously, and that's always kind of one of the keys. But yeah, you talk about their road woes. You talk about how difficult Penn State is. Talk about just how big of a game this is nationally. It's more imperative than ever that they get off to a good start in this game because, like you said, that stuff can kind of manifest itself. If they get down early, start to struggle, you know, I, I it may be a situation that kind of snowballs out of control for them. I mean, that's that's the fear, you know, like Wisconsin. I think that's kind of the way that I felt like that's how that game kind of played out. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like there was there was a period of point in time in that game where not that they packed it in but that I I, you get that here we go again
0: the back the back breaks yeah
1: yeah that here we go again kind of sense you know and that's where the road has been such a difficult thing for them to conquer that you know you got to come out and play well to begin the game take Mm -hmm. maybe take the lead you know and, and and at least try to stem the crowd the tie to the crowd a little bit you know because it's going to be loud in there probably no matter what I I, you know I can't fathom a situation where they shut down the crowd unless they get off to like a really really hot start but you know nothing to suggest that's going to happen so I think just getting off to a good start not turning the ball over you know, and, and a couple early drives to maybe build some confidence, especially offensively, are going to go a longer way in this game than it would in a normal road game and just a normal game period, I feel like.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing to counter the point that we're making is, you know, Jim Harbaugh said on Monday, he said he feels like the better team wins on the road most of the time. He is kind of right in at least his Michigan experience. Iowa is probably an exception you could argue maybe 2016 ohio state was an exception but really for the most part as you noted the teams that they lose to on the road so far have been mostly better teams and so it's i mean it's you know wisconsin and penn state in 2017 wisconsin this year notre dame last year so that's that's maybe the counter to it uh, Ohio do you think State line, last do you think,
1: year. Do you think the line is a little inflated with that in mind? Do you think, I think the like, line
0: I, is inflated because of 2017. And I think it's inflated. And frankly, I mean, to to Michigan's credit, they have done the exact same thing to Penn State the last two trips to Ann Arbor, too. Right. So I, I think I think the fact that Michigan... When was their last close... Well, it was Notre Dame was their last close loss. The last, um, what, three losses have been really kind of a down in flame situation away from Michigan stadium, Ohio state got out of control. Peach bowl. I know, I know you can count it, however much you want to count it. Um, but that one did get out of control. It was close early and then the, the roof kind of caved in and then Wisconsin, which who knows, maybe Wisconsin really is all, I mean, they look like they're all that in a bag of chips. Uh, curious to see what they look like next week away from camp Randall, but, um, but still they've all they've all been very uh fl- flaming hot losses i guess we, we i would i would call it so that that might be something i do think the lines a little inflated um anyway speaking of that we can go ahead and get into our over unders uh these are provided by neil a big fan of the podcast listens produces these every week last week i went 5 and 12 so i'm not going to count it toward our overall total uh, so i lead 39 to 62 over you, who is 36 out of 62. So first, uh, game time. Does this game end by 11.04 Eastern? I'm going to say later. I just think that it's a prime time game. I know it's not going to start right away. Both teams are defensive oriented. I don't know if that makes games longer or shorter, actually. Probably longer because there's more punt. Commercials and stuff. So I'll say I'll say longer.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna go longer as well. Too many, too many commercial opportunities for yeah. the networks.
0: Yeah. Yep. And it's good. I mean, it's gonna be probably the most viewed game of the weekend. I haven't looked at the schedule. it's just Michigan, Michigan, and Penn State are two of the, you know, five or six teams that have the most viewers next question on the offense Patterson with 5.5 non-sack rushing attempts over or under one clarification might be does does a scramble count um let's say let's let's just do exactly how he said it doesn't count as a sack uh so he he's going forward or it's a designed run I think it's gonna be over I I think that's you know, I don't think Michigan has kept things quote-unquote close to the vest offensively, but I do think you've pointed out the nature of that Wisconsin game. It was over, not over, it was the the the, the dynamic of the game was p- passing-oriented so quickly that it really was not productive or conducive for Shea Patterson to do designed runs. And I think you saw against Illinois when they actually did need a touchdown, I think you saw, they said, Okay, Patterson's gonna go get some of these runs. The one thing that's different is, is Penn State does have a faster defensive front. You know, Micah Parsons, Etor Gross Matos, um, you know, Shaka Tony, Jan Johnson, Cam Brown. They're 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 quick players and they can hit hard. So that might be the one exception. But I think, I think if Michigan is doing its due diligence and figuring out what works, I mean, I gotta think Penn State's not buying those reads anymore. And so that would lead me to think that Patterson gets six or more carries. Your thoughts?
1: I mean, gonna keep hitting the over on this until we finally see it? It's just, even against Illinois, there were three or four instances where I just, it boggled my mind why he didn't keep the football. So... It's yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the over as well because I like I said. I mean I just we talked about this after the Illinois game. If they can get anything out of that, it will open up so many more things for them offensively. And I just it continues to boggle my mind that they haven't. Now, yeah. The only thing the only thing we that you could hang your hat on or, or wonder about is that you know, because we talk about how the Wisconsin game played out, is that they have been kinda of hanging on to it a little bit. I don't think they have. I just I have a hard time believing that'd be the case. But man, it's just there have been so many chances where a keep would have gotten probably double digit yards with right. and they don't and they're not keeping. And, you know, like goes back to what I said on Sunday about you know, forcing those guys at the second level to think a little bit and make decisions and not just be able to just attack at will because it's it makes life more difficult for the running backs, for the offensive line, basically everybody else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at some point he's got to keep. And and so I'm going to go over. I think they have to do it a few times just to keep Penn State's defense honest.
0: All right, keeping it on you, 4.8 yards per attempt combined for Charbonnet and Haskins.
1: Oh boy. Um I gotta go under.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Penn just State leads the that. nation really... in, in yeah. yards per attempt allowed, one point five nine.
1: Okay, then yeah. I mean I was gonna say under either way, but yeah, I mean it's just gonna be hard for them to I, if I feel like this is a deal where they're gonna have to pass the ball to open up the run game. I, I just I think going going into it, trying to establish a run game I think would be somewhat of a mistake.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yep yep I agree um number to watch those yards per attempt they are uh they are 40 and one when they average at least 3.0 yards per attempt under Jim Harbaugh that is like the, that is probably of all the stats other than points you know point point margin that might be the most indicative stat for when Michigan is successful versus when they're not is the 3.0 yards per attempt. Uh, and it's actually similarly true. They only have one win, or no, they only have one loss when they have averaged, or when they have netted more than 106 yards in a game rushing. So, so yeah, that's that's for me. It's an under. We'll see how much under might determine who wins or who loses. Next one, 179.5 combined receiving yards from Peoples, Jones, Black, Collins, and Bell. So all four do they get 180 receiving yards or more?
1: Oh boy, uh, I will go over on that. I think they, I think they had a couple big plays going over.
0: Yeah, I, I, I gotta imagine Neil knows what he's doing. I, I gotta imagine that's around the average. Their average, I think it's gonna be a, a below average offensive performance in this game. Penn State, they have not allowed a team to score more than thirteen points in a game this year. Um. You know, I'm I'm not sold on their offense. We'll talk about that in a moment. I'm sure, but I am sold on their defense. I I do think Michigan's key to success is passing. Penn State does not. I don't. I don't know if they have a cornerback because John Reed's their go-to guy. He's listed at five ten. Um, you know their other guy. Um, you know he's listed he's listed at six foot, but you got to think Tariq Black. I'm sorry. Yeah, Tariq Black, but more so Nico Collins. Do you not chuck up some 50-50 balls and hope that he has the height advantage to come down with it? So that'd be the that'd be the case for the over is that they are going to have to pass more. Uh, I do like Lamont Wade out of safety, but but that's kind of their weakness on the defense. Their defensive front is really sound. Maybe maybe the best in the big eh, that'd be that'd be an interesting debate. I'd have to I'd have to see what Wisconsin and Ohio State have done more. Um, and how Michigan does this weekend, but I do think they'll pass a lot. I don't know that those four will get 180 receiving yards. Tight ends combined for five-and-a-half catches. Don't know. Well, Sean McCune dressed in last week, and, and he was available to play. Um, so I got to think he'll be ready this week. Nick Eubanks, plus is Eric All and Luke Schoonmaker. Well, we don't know Eric All's status, but is Luke Schoonmaker at a touchdown last week? I'm kind of tempted to say the over on this. I I don't I don't know how um, Iowa did passing to its. I know they don't have great tight ends this year. I don't know what Michigan will look like in this in this offense against Penn State's defense. I think they're gonna g- get enough targets to those tight ends though. So I'll I'll say over on six and a half catches or five and a half catches. I'll say six or more.
1: Um, over. I agree. I think they make a couple of those big plays. Yeah. Not much to add there. I mean, yeah. It's, you know, I I think that actually think that the tight end position. I I think Eubanks is a guy who has potential to have a pretty good game on Saturday. I think he can, a lot like Patterson being able to open things up by running the ball a little bit more. I think getting Eubanks in a little bit more involved in the passing game could really open things up for the guys on the outside. I know one, one clip I saw from the Illinois game that was pretty impressive to me, it was uh, from Brian Cook on EMGO Blog was on Bell's long uh, catch and run where Eubanks actually outran the Illinois corner,
0: hmm.
1: block, blocked him, and then outran the guy after he got back up and then made another block downfield. Looked really, really athletic and also had a really good game from the blocking aspect as well. You know, so I think he's a guy that's going to be on the field a ton. I think getting him the ball a few times might actually help thing help open things up for some of the other guys on the outside.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Tight ends is always kind of a shot in the dark. I feel like every week we just get a tight end one and we just kind of say, "Huh eh, could could go either way. Penn State gets 10.5 tackles for a loss. Oh, that's a lot. I, I'd have to, I don't know offhand how many Wisconsin got. that. I know that they're a big Havoc team. That just seems like a high number. I I'm gonna say under on ten and a half sacks tackles for loss. Certainly, certainly don't think Michigan's coming away with anything close to a win if Penn State's getting eleven or more tackles for loss. I'm gonna say under. Your thoughts?
1: Under as well. That's a, that is a that is a pretty high number. I think this is gonna be a close game. If that number hit, it's not gonna be a close game. I mean, that's you know, I guess that's my logic in going with the under. So.
0: I mean, Penn State only averages nine point eight per game right now, so that would mean that they have some big guns that they're just bringing out. Um, Maybe Neil knows something about an offensive line injury that we don't know about, Uh, because I mean, I I, or maybe maybe he's reading into Iowa's offensive line. I think they only gave up two sacks, but I do think it was tough sledding. I think I do think Penn State's defense had a lot of pressure and. And was able to provide it. I mean, they they have a lot. Shaka Tony, Itor Grossmatos, Robert Windsor. That's that's a really good three out of your four defensive linemen. I think all three will end up playing in the NFL. You know, it's 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 very good. I just don't. Eleven is so many, so many, so many tackles for loss. Um, I agree. Michigan would be quite literally going backwards. Six and a half points scored by Michigan in the first quarter. So we've talked about the importance of a start. And so far this season, well, the first three games, they did not get off to good starts. Uh, lately, I think they i mean—they scored 10 on Iowa in the first six and a half minutes. They scored, was it 21 on Illinois in the first quarter this past weekend? Uh, Rutgers, I don't remember, but I assume they got off to a good start because they won 52 to nothing. So they've gotten a little bit better at it. Do you think they get a touchdown in that in that first quarter? I I think I might. Logic would suggest no, but they did they have looked solid in some of their first quarter game plans the past couple weeks. I'll I'll flip the coin. I'll I'll say I'll say they they get it. I'll say they go over.
1: I do too. I was good. My initial reaction was I I, I have a hunch that they'll score that they'll get in the end zone in the first quarter.
0: Mm-hmm. Any any substance to the hunch or just a hunch?
1: No, I mean, there's been nothing to prove that Michigan will score in the first quarter in a tough atmosphere, right? I just, I kind of have a hunch that they'll pull it out and, and and get a touchdown on the board at some point for whatever reason.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, switching to the defense. Three and a half sacks from the front seven. from The whole front seven? Uh, I don't... I don't know about you, Steve. I, I'm not. I do think Penn State's offensive line has gotten better. I mean, Steven Gonzalez and Michael Monet, That they're a good interior. I don't think that they, I don't think that that's a strength of the group yet, or of the team yet. I, I think that there still are some trouble spots on that offensive line, and they they do have a couple players who are undersized as well. Not that that means everything. I think I think Michigan can get four sacks in this game, and and remember, McSorley is not. It's I'm sorry, Clifford is not as fast as McSorley. He can run. He has been able to escape the pocket quite a bit. But I don't I don't know. I think Michigan could get four sacks. I don't know that that is going to be enough, but I think they could get four sacks.
1: Boy, I actually agree. You know, I think getting. Pay, who will almost certainly be playing, getting him kind of back in the swing of things. Uche was excellent against Illinois. Hutchinson is starting to come into his own, and then Carlo Kemp is really playing some good football right now too. Uh, I think I, I think that I'll go with the over as well, I, because yeah, I agree. Yeah, not Clifford's like a weird. He's like a McSorley light. I I don't know the like he's kind of a hard player to kind of describe or compare because he is tell me if you agree here a player right now in his career that does doesn't do anything great but does a lot of things good
0: maybe he has not looked good against this is more of a passing statement but he has not looked good against the two decent defenses he's faced Pitt and Iowa Um, I think he I think he has a better arm than McSorley I don't think he has I don't think he's a better runner that that's a preseason notion that I have from from just seeing the film seeing reading up on him uh, things of that nature but by the way Iowa got three sacks on Penn State I really do I really do think Michigan will get more sacks than Iowa did Um, I agree with that yeah I
1: I was really kind of struggled to get to the quarterback all year even with right you know and and Michigan has really I think That's one area where they've gotten a lot better. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Iowa was a huge step forward for them in that regard, and they look good again on Saturday. So
0: they have 14 sacks in their last two games, the Wolverines. So I know I, you know, I'm not trying to say it's gonna, it's definitely gonna. I mean, it's an interesting three or three and a half is an interesting over under, but I, I'm inclined to think that if it were just the D line, I'd probably say under, but if you count the linebackers, I think this is a group that. Has a good sense of what it what its blitz responsibilities are, and I think that has paid dividends. I also think it has benefited Michigan that Michael Twum for has has not just come back, but actually looked pretty. Although he didn't have the best Illinois game, but in against Iowa, he had a pretty nice game. Uh, yeah, if you get pay, throw in Hutchinson, throw in Camera I think they can get it. Next one on the defense, six and a half. Havoc plays, interceptions plus pass defenses or pass breakups plus sacks plus tackles for loss plus forced fumbles from Michigan's secondary. Six and a half havoc plays from Michigan's secondary. Well, the pass breakups and the tackles for loss. I assume most of the six and a, of the seven plus would be from those. I. I'm thinking no. I, I don't know what Michigan's havoc rate is in the secondary. I just... That seems like a high number. Um, to High number to predict. If Michigan's defense has a great day, then, then yeah, they'll probably get that many. But hard number for me to sit here and say, yeah, they'll do that seven times in a game.
1: I'll say over just because we've... Um, we've agreed on almost all of these. So... <laughs> I'm going to do the this – is, this is my separation pick. Okay. I think if I had to choose, if I was being forced, I'd probably agree with you, but I'll just – I'll choose uh, over just for the, the hell of it, I think.
0: Okay. I'm pulling up Michigan's box score against Iowa, which, by the way, I do think is comparable because Penn State basically did the exact same thing. I do think Iowa passed more than than Penn State will. Penn State, their run game – well, we might have a question about the run game, but they have they have a couple true freshmen who are – who are ascending, um, you know, we'll see what they can do against Michigan, but they, I think Noah Kane found his footing a little bit in Iowa city, uh, Devin Ford, another top 100 recruit. I believe it's Devin Ford, uh, another top 100 recruit. He, he's had a couple nice games so far. Um, you know, Ricky Slade and, and what journey Brown, their backups, journey Brown had, had had a nice game against Pitt, but it was mostly on one carry anyway. Uh, against Iowa, Michigan's secondary had three interceptions. They had, um, let's see. Oh, they don't have pass breakups. Oh, here we go. Four pass breakups. And then the secondary had, it looks like, two tackles. So they they got over it for sure. Um, looks like they had a couple tackles for loss. So if it's like Iowa, yes. I don't think it's going to be quite like Iowa. I think Penn State's offense is... I'm not sold on them, but I'm a little bit more sold on them than I was on Iowa's offense. Next question. Sean Clifford rushes for 49.5 sack-adjusted rushing yards. This has been a little bit of a problem area for Michigan, it's, and Penn State's exploited it before. Ohio State obviously has. But kind of containing the, not necessarily the designed runs by the quarterback, but the... um the pocket collapsed, but there's a seam to get out of it, and then suddenly the middle of the field is completely open. That is something that I do think Michigan has struggled with, so I'm gonna say, he's averaging sack-adjusted, he has 300 rushing yards on the season, so he's averaging about 50. I'm gonna say over. I think there's gonna be a couple plays that they give up that, where the the pocket gets really good push, the receivers are covered, they did like 90% of what they were supposed to do, but then there's just a little seam, and and Clifford don't don't think he's a I don't know if I would even call him a dual threat, but he's he's faster than the workie, and he's fat i think hes he's like Shea Patterson really um so I, I think he gets 50 uh, he He actually leads Penn State in in uh, rushing attempts this season, so something to keep an eye on too. just by one he's got one more than Noah Kane, but still that means that he's carrying the ball around 10 times a game.
1: Ugh, that's a tough one. Uh, if the sack adjusted, I'm still going to say under, but I think it'll be one of those deals where it's barely under, though. I think he gets close to that number, but I think they, they keep him just under.
0: Okay, next one. 5.0 yards per attempt from Noah Cain. Noah Cain ran for 102 yards on 22 attempts last week. Sorry to keep saying, well, Michigan did this against Iowa. Penn State did this, but they did play each other, or they did play the same opponent who is decent in back-to-back weeks and had very similar results? So try try to use that comparison uh, to our advantage for our analysis. But 5.0 yards attempt for Noah Kane. He he does have back-to-back hundred-yard games. I'll I'll say under just because Iowa kept him from a yards per attempt case in check. Obviously, if he breaks one, you know that that one's shot, but. We do have 13 of these. I'm, I'm allowed to get a couple wrong. Uh, I'll say, I'll say, under. I, I do think Michigan's run defense has been quite good the uh, past three weeks. And I don't think Noah Kane is, he's not He's not a big yards per attempt guy. He's more of the bell cow type. Uh, at least that's, yeah, that was kind of the scouting report that was put on him. And so I don't think he's going to burst out for a gigantic play. I'll his say longest under run
1: was 12. His longest run was 12 yards against I, Iowa. Oh,
0: well, there you go. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I got to say under as well. I think Michigan slows down. I think both teams slow each other's running games down for the most part.
0: A lot of underclassmen that will be carrying the ball for, for both teams. I think true time, will- they've,
1: Penn State's recruited the running back position really well. I mean, you got Ricky Slade Sl- Ford and yeah, Slade Ford and Kane were all, so Kane was a guy that fell, actually fell down the rankings quite a bit. I think he opened as a five star, ended up just inside the top two four seven. But Ford and Slade were top one hundred guys, mm-hmm. like all the way. They're more scat back, all purpose type guys. Both right. of them are, but um, Kane obviously has had a, you know, was what the rare miss from some analysts in my opinion as far as usually guys who can come in and make an impact like he's made for them so far don't fall as far as he did in the rankings which is ironic because uh Jahan Dotson at receiver is another guy that Penn State recruited who was very highly regarded rankings wise early on and then kind of fell off but has been really good for them mm-hmm. uh so far so
0: yeah yeah i remember watching Ricky Slade it, it must have been did, did they ever televise? It, it it was some skills competition that was on TV, for like one of the high school bowls or whatever, and he just looked amazing. I was like, man, he's gonna be Barkley 2.0, and and you know, his career's not over. But he is a sophomore, and he is the fourth string back behind a redshirt sophomore and two true freshmen. So hard to tell what his what his the rest of his career holds. But anyway, for Kane, yeah, he is not a. I don't think he, any I don't think I would not call him an explosive back. Um I would say he's he's really really solid, reliable, strong. You know, he's he's not going to make mistakes. He's not going to lose yardage. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to burst out for more than 5 yards per carry. Next one, 79.5 receiving yards for KJ Hamler. Their leading receiver. He has 450 5 receiving yards in 6 games this season. So this is does he do better than average or worse than average? I um, I I wish we could have gotten Ambry Thomas or Lavert Hill this week cuz I you know he's Hamlers a Pontiac native. Obviously he he knew a lot of the Metro Detroit players growing up. I feel like my hunch is that Lavert Hill and Ambry Thomas are going to take the matchup personally, but at the same time, are they going to put them on him if he's coming out of the slot? Do they put Daxton Hill there? It's kind of it puts them in an interesting spot because they do have Justin Shorter and Dotson, as you mentioned, two guys who, well, Dotson was—I guess he fell, but but Shorter was a former five-star. Shorter I don't know. was The
1: number one receiver in his in, the cl- in his
0: class, right, right. right. Yeah. So so it's not like you can just take. It's not like you can just put. Whoever on him and focus on Hamler, uh, at least there's some some believability to the fact that Shorter can bust out a big play. I I'm stumped on. I'm gonna say over. Just because I think they're going to try to throw to him so much, it might not be his most efficient game, but I I can see, I could see a scenario where maybe Clifford if he's under pressure, if the game's tighter than they expected. I could see him really trying to find Hamler as much, similar to Connor Cook with Aaron Burbridge a few years ago. Jordan Lewis actually did super well in that game, but so did Burbridge. They both, I mean, there was just a lot of action. Plus, I think the fact that he can line up so many different places on the field, I don't think Michigan's going to have the answer every single time. Um, So I'll say he gets over.
1: I'm actually going to go under, keeping in with the theme that I think this is going to be a more of a defensive struggle than an offensive explosion. Michigan did really well against Hamler last year. I I think this could be the type of game where if if Penn State has a guy who has a big game receiving wise, it might be whoever is on that that third receiver type spot. This could be a game where a guy like Shorter could maybe break out. I just I just looked up as he's got eight catches for 100 yards so far this year. Right. Not really exceptional statistics but I I do think this is a deal where you know Thomas and Hill have been playing with KJ Hamler for years I mean years upon years upon years these guys Mm -hmm. know each other really well I feel like and I guess that was probably similar with Burbridge and Lewis so I see your point from a volume standpoint I think Michigan does a good enough job on him they're not going to slow them down all the way like right. they did last right. year, but I think that they'll slow them down enough. I think if if Penn State has a big day in the passing from the passing game, it'll be you know like their second or third receiver. I think that maybe breaks through.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, last one. This one seems easy to me. Six and a half punts by Michigan, over. I yeah, think, I think over, over for both. Yep. I I and we can transition that into our final predictions. I'm with you. I, I really think this is two great defenses and two suspect offenses. Maybe offenses, Michigan isn't really in transition, but I think they're still trying to f- figure things out under a new coordinator. Penn State, I, I just think they're a year away. I look at Friermuth. He seems like a year away from being a star. They're tight end. He's 6'5", 256, uh, already has over 200 receiving yards this year. You know, Hamler, Hamler's there. Uh, but, you know, Shorter and Dotson, I mean, these are all guys who are going to be back next year. The running backs, I've mentioned how young they are. So even though they probably aren't transitioning offensive coordinator-wise or system-wise, I think they're in transition in that they're still still kind of replenishing from what they had in 2016 and 2017 because uh, they just had such such impressive attrition. I mean, you could start a fantasy football team right now with Barkley, Jasicki, Um, Godwin, uh, um, Deshaun Hamilton, Miles Sanders. Like, that's that's a pretty good fantasy lineup, actually, in the NFL right now. So it's and and that actually does translate into what I think is going to happen. I know, I know 2017, there's a lot of parallels. I just don't think this Penn State team is as good, and I don't think this Michigan team is as bad. They don't have John O'Corn, they don't have the offensive line that they had that year, uh, they don't have a whole bunch of freshman receivers and no receiving coach. It's they're a little bit worse at running back, and you know I, I think the defense is about the same. So I do think the team is better. I I'm gonna still say Penn State wins, but I think it is going to be closer. I don't think it, I don't think Michigan's gonna come away embarrassed, but at the same time, a loss is a loss. So um, I just. I, I, I can't I can't envision Michigan until until I see it. I can't envision Michigan's offense doing enough to beat Penn State's defense. Let's put it that way. You know, road game plays a role. Um, you know, maybe the psyche of Michigan might play a role. I just I until I see it this season, I don't know that I can predict it. So I've got Penn State 17, Michigan 10. Steve, what's your prediction?
1: My thoughts on the game are pretty similar to yours. I think the one thing Michigan has is that, in my if my opinion, if both teams played their best game, I think Michigan would win. I think Michigan, we talk about the offenses have been disappointing, but I think Michigan is talented and much more experienced. If they can, if they, you know, that's kind of what we've been waiting on all year at this point, though, right? If they break through offensively and you start to find something, all of a sudden Michigan's pretty tough to beat. In my opinion, I, that, but the problem right. is we haven't we haven't seen it even close to consistently enough to have any confidence that that's going to be the case. Yeah, it's a it's an away game. You know, Penn State's record in the whiteout games is not really that great, actually, uh, for whatever hmm. reason. I don't know. I, I I keep seeing that stat related around, to
0: think. good opponents and the fact that they did have a four-year stretch where they were down down because of sanctions and transition.
1: Yeah, but it's like in the last like 12 or something they're hmm. like five and seven or something like that. I mean, it's not a, which is, I agree. Cause I, you would, you would not think that would be the case. Uh, but either way. Yeah. Again, I, I'm, I'm now in, I'm now squarely in the, I have to believe it to see it camp with, with Michigan, particularly offensively. Uh, we, we you know, we went into the season thinking the offense was going to carry the defense and here we are weak. I mean, what is this eight? I don't even know what weakness is it. Um, and, Seven, yeah, yeah, and and we're back here where we have been with Michigan, where the defense is kind of carrying things across the board. So I, I have Michigan, I have Penn State twenty-two, Michigan nineteen. I think it's a close game. I just think Penn State makes a couple more plays in crunch time to to get the win. And yeah, that, that's the thing too. It doesn't. This is a situation now where it doesn't matter how Michigan. If they were to lose this game, it's not going to matter how. If they lose, right. then the uh the boiler it's things are gonna start to boil over a little bit so um, but yeah no I'm gonna go with Penn. I, I picked I mean if I want to if I'm remember correctly this is the one game I picked them to lose in the regular season when we did our preseason predictions. So I think you might've
0: done Notre Dame, but you said one or the other. Yeah. And
1: it's hard to, at this point to go back on that based on what we've seen, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I'm, I'm not going to, uh, I, I, yeah. Penn state 22, Michigan 19. I think Michigan does play well, but not good enough.
0: Okay. There you go. So yeah, we're basically on the same page. Don't, I don't anticipate a blowout. It could happen. I certainly didn't anticipate a blowout. At Wisconsin, and I don't think I anticipated a blowout at Ohio State. Uh, so we'll we'll see we'll see. Penn State has some questions. Michigan, through this many games, might have a couple more. But Penn State also hasn't gone on the road and faced Wisconsin, so that that might keep some of those questions from being questions. Regardless, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24/7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you this weekend.